0: Okay, good evening. Good evening.
1: Good pass these down here tonight. <laughs>
2: this
1: one's I only brought-
0: Okay, we are on lesson number five this evening in our study, which is crazy. We're already getting about halfway through this one, which is kind of goes very quickly. Lesson number five, and this is a, again, last week I felt was was a really challenging lesson to me. And then this one, again, is, um, is challenging as well. Is lesson five is a lesson on priorities. And so our text, our text verses is Matthew 16... Um, 21 through 27, and I'll just go ahead and read those, read those tonight. Matthew 16: 21 to 27. As from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying. Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Let's pray. Lord, as we... Jump into this lesson and embark on this again as continuing our embarking on this study about Peter and just the education of a disciple. And then tonight, as we look at a lesson on priorities, just help us to evaluate our own lives in light of this passage and and the lessons that we can be like last week focused on our priorities. Um, see that it would just be a challenge to, to all of us tonight to, um, work working our lives to see how we can adjust and tweak where's needed um, to be able to get us more back on track of what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me. Priorities are an integral part of daily existence. The Lord Jesus set the example of placing the will of God first and foremost in his life. And in this lesson, we'll see his forceful rebuke of Peter's seemingly well-meaning attempt to get him off track from his duty to God and fallen mankind. So some goals um, in the lesson tonight is number one is to understand that God has a fundamental purpose for each and every one of our lives. Number two, in realizing that self-denial is a requirement of following his purpose. And then number three, that we would choose to place God's will as first priority in our lives. And perhaps you've heard it said to get things done, you need to organize, deputize, and supervise. Well, this little management credo is true. There's probably a word that should precede all those, and that's prioritize. It's important to get things done, but it's even more important to get the right things done. While there are many good things we can be doing, it is vital that we seek to do the best things. What's most astounding, I'm um, again talking to the author here, to me about the comment in Peter's life that we're about to learn from, which included a sharp rebuke from the Lord, is that it came on the heels of one of Peter's bold declarations of who he believed Christ was. Now, further back in that chapter, Um, I think Jesus is asking, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, no, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then then verse 18, where Jesus says, no, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then the passage that we just read. Now, surely this was a man who knew what was really important, but Peter evidently had more to learn. And the education of a disciple was never quite finished. In this passage, we will learn that to live by the best priorities requires denying ourselves as we seek to do God's will for our lives. John four thirty four should be the first, first verse on your sheet there. Read it, Pastor.
3: Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work.
0: And that's in, of course, John 4. Of course, in the context of uh, the woman at the well. And Jesus' disciples coming back and everything. So point number one is we have devotion to, starts with a D. Four-letter word. Short four-letter word. Duty. Yep. Devotion to duty. In all aspects of life, the Lord Jesus Christ is the paramount example for every believer. The central theme of all that he did on earth was simply this. He came to fulfill the will of his Father. At age 12, we see Jesus had told Mary and Joseph, this is uh, Luke two forty nine. Go ahead, John, whenever you got it.
4: He said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist you not that I must be about my Father's business?
0: He kept that priority throughout his time here. And some 20 years later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his father this in John 17, 4, which is the next verse. I have, <clears throat> I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. A great respect is rightly given to those who fulfill their duty. The famous Civil War General Robert E. Lee said, Duty is the most sublime word. In our language, do your duty in all things. You cannot do more. You should never wish to do less. Christ personified this quote. Subpoint A is Jesus had to, short two letter word starts with the G, go. Jesus had to go in Matthew 1621 our passage here and then Luke and in mark 8:31 Jesus taught his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem must suffer must be rejected must be killed he knew every detail of the excruciating ordeal ahead of him yet Luke 951 adds a detail next verse there
2: and it came to pass when, when the time was come that he should be received up And he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem.
0: This was literally his sacred duty. And he walked toward it with steadfast determination. He wasn't taken by surprise by the cross. Christians must understand that there are times when Christ calls us to go to places where we might have to suffer or pay a price for our faith. Though our human reaction is to look for the easy way out, think Jonah, in Jonah chapter one, we must instead be willing to do the Lord's will, no matter what. The Christian life will have times of hardship and suffering. <clears throat> Jesus promised as much to his disciples. John 16, 33.
1: These things have I spoken unto you that you might have pe- that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world.
0: Patriarchs, prophets, apostles all went through times of intense hardship. Severe and even deadly persecution carried on through the days of the early church, the dark ages, counter-reformation in many countries today. 2 Timothy 3.12 yeah, The natural response to difficulty or danger is to flee from it. During the Crimean War... British cavalrymen were ordered to charge the Russian forces despite almost guaranteed death. These dedicated and obedient soldiers followed the command, not because they wanted to, but because it was their duty. Alfred Lord Tennyson depicted their attitude in the poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. Theirs not to make reply, theirs not to reason why, theirs but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the 600. And again, that's is based on a true story there. And I, I didn't look it up, but I think I've heard before, and it was actually a mistake, that order that was given, but they did it anyway. <laughs> Today, Christ is looking for faithful soldiers of the cross who will go where he wants them to go. When we follow the Lord's command, we please our Savior. Paul describes this in 2 Timothy 2. This is 2 Timothy 2, 3 4.
3: Now, therefore, a hardness a good soldier in
0: Christ No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. This type of soldier will receive the ultimate praise of, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, over 400 firefighters and law enforcement officers gave their lives at the World Trade Center in New York City. And the vast majority were not there in their normal course of duty, but were responding to a crisis to the call of duty. While the Twin Towers inhabitants were fleeing, these heroes deliberately ran into danger to do all that they could to save lives. Carrying all of the rescue equipment possible, they rushed up the stairwells that others were rushing down. They could not have explained why. They didn't stop to think about it. It was simply their job, and they did it, with full acceptance of the risks. The Lord's plan for our life may lead us into danger, persecution, or death. Christ knew that obeying the Father would require his death on the cross, yet he still went. So subpoint B, Jesus had to die. Throughout time, God has required death in order for there to be life. It's one of those great paradoxes in Scripture. When God is how he deals with, in his word, there's a lot of those. But God has required death in order for there to be life. Since Genesis 3, when God slew an innocent animal... To provide a covering for Adam and Eve, blood has been the only way. Salvation. Hebrews
3: 9:22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no is no remission.
0: Jesus' mission on earth was to die, to shed his pure and innocent blood for the sin of mankind. Had he refused. We couldn't be forgiven of our sin, and we would die without hope. Romans 5, 8 through 10.
4: God commended commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for
2: us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life.
0: John twelve twenty-three to twenty-four.
1: Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I say unto you, except according to fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die it bring forth much fruit.
0: Christ knew there would be no, could be no salvation without a sacrifice. In the song, 10,000 Angels, Ray Overholt was scripturally correct when he wrote that Christ could have called 10,000 angels to free him, but instead went willingly to his death. Matthew 26, 53-54. Thinkest
3: thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, if he shall presently give me more than twelve regions of angels? But how then shall the scripture be fulfilled? that thus it must be.
0: Christ lived and died, fulfilling scripture. and Rose again, fulfilling scripture. (laughs) This was one reason he had to go to the cross. Jesus can be seen on every page of the Old Testament, but one of the most vivid passages depicting him is Isaiah 53. Years before the cross, 700 some years, the prophet Isaiah wrote of this lamb, of God, who would take away our sins. Isaiah 53 4 through 10.
4: Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted.
2: But he, was for, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of the peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all.
1: He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yea, he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is gone, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living. The transgression of my people was his tribe. And he made his grave
3: with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Since he had done no violence, neither was
4: any deceit in his mouth.
3: Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand.
0: Jesus was the one depicted in this passage, and he fulfilled this prophecy when he was crucified. The Lord was committed to fulfilling his duty to die on the cross, but Satan was determined to use any opportunity he could to deter the Lord from going. So point two, not only did we have devotion to duty, we have distracted from, also starts with the D, Don't even think about it too much. Don't think about it too hard.
4: Distractions?
0: Duty. duty. Duty, yep. Distracted from duty. Satan will use anything to dissuade us and distract us from what we ought to do. If he can't get us to go against God totally, he'll settle for getting us off track, even if only a little bit. Sometimes the distractions are obvious and easier to combat. Other times, they are subtle. But sometimes, those distractions come from people who are close or even genuinely love us. In his classic devotional work, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers said, The great enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but the good which is not good enough. Read that again. Actually, the good is always the enemy of the best. Let me me read that again. The great enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but the good, which is not good enough. The good is always the enemy of the best. The devil may not try to ensnare us with gross sin, but if he can just distract us from the Lord's will for our life, he's succeeded. The scripture makes clear the importance of staying on course in our lives. Proverbs 4, um, 20 to 27.
4: My son, son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let
2: them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health unto all their flesh. Keep thy heart
1: with all diligence. Out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee,
3: a forward not, and the first lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet,
4: and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil.
0: As Jesus prepared to fulfill the Father's will at the cross, the devil tried to distract him with one of his closest friends. This is subpoint A. Peter gave a search then R. Response. Rebuke. Peter gave a rebuke. When the Lord told his disciples the events in the near future, Peter couldn't stay silent. Be it far from thee, Lord, he insisted. This shall not be unto thee. Verse 22, and then, of course, it's repeated in in Mark and Luke. It's astounding to think of Peter attempting to rebuke the Lord of the universe. Peter meant well. He truly loved Jesus and felt distressed to hear Jesus say he'd be crucified. Isn't that ironic, though? Peter had just confessed that Jesus was the Christ. But when Jesus told his disciples directly of the events looming ahead, Peter became indignant at the prospect of losing his dearest friend. He refused to let it happen, come what may. At this time, Peter attempted to distract the Lord from the direction that he needed to go. Strong's definition of the Greek word here translated rebuke is to tax with fault, rate, chide, rebuke, reprove, censor sharply, like to admonish or charge sharply. Again, that's Peter's response to the Lord. When addressing the Lord himself, this would seem to be outright disrespect. But as, of course, as we've seen, and we'll see again, Peter frequently spoke before he thought. (laughs) Often in our human wisdom, we think we know better than the Lord. While we may not say it out loud, our attitudes and actions betray us. We know what Christ has said, but somehow we justify going in another direction. Popular piece of advice today is follow your heart. That, however, is a bad idea. As Christians, we are to follow God, because our hearts and feelings can deceive us. Jeremiah 17 9 is the next verse there. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Proverbs 3 5 through 7.
2: Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean on lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he
1: shall direct our paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes; Give the Lord depart from evil.
0: Throughout the Bible, many have argued to the Lord, this is not the way it's going to be. They've always found out differently. Cain brought an offering representing his own works, but the Lord wouldn't accept it in Genesis 4. Saul attempted to kill David, his God-chosen successor. And I think, if you can recall, Saul knew that, too. In the end, Saul was the one that was killed in battle, and David became king. Later, David's son Absalom tried to take the kingdom from his father, but failed. Jeremiah decided to quit preaching, but the Lord wasn't finished with him. Jonah tried to flee for the presence of the Lord, but found himself in the belly of a fish. Now the Lord would teach Peter the same thing. So subpoint B, Peter gave a rebuke, and now B, Peter got a rebuke. As the rest of the disciples looked on, again, this is, again, think about this. This is in front of everybody, not just Jesus taking Peter aside and talking to him here. Christ rebuked him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus told one of his closest friends and disciples, can you imagine how this must have stung Peter? What a way to show gratitude, (laughs) Peter must have thought. After all, he'd only spoken out of love and concern. Or had he? If we truly love someone, we'll want for that person exactly what God wants. Nothing more and nothing less. As we said before, Satan's desire is to get God's people off track, even if only slightly. If Jesus had listened to Peter, he wouldn't have gone to Jerusalem and died on the cross for mankind's sin. Had Peter succeeded in preventing this, Satan would have had a great triumph. So in real sense, whatever his intentions were, Peter truly had spoken with the voice of Satan. Therefore, he had deserved the strongest rebuke the Lord could give. Remember, Jesus had directly encountered Satan previously. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, we have the story of Christ's temptation in the wilderness. And on this occasion, Satan had tried to distract Jesus from what he came to do again. The three temptations Satan had for Jesus may not have seemed so diabolical on the surface, but Satan will never direct one into the way that pleases God. Kind of interesting way to think about that. Satan will never direct one into the way that pleases God. Had Jesus listened to Satan, even when Satan quoted scripture, he would have been going against God. So Jesus understood it was the voice of Satan when he heard Peter say, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And immediately he rebuked his greatest enemy, who is using perhaps his greatest friend. But Jesus' rebuke went even further, piercing Peter's heart. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary definition for the word savor is to like, to delight in, to favor. In essence, Jesus was telling Peter that he did not like or delight in the things of God. How often did Peter remember those words in the coming years? He knew how many times he had disappointed the Lord, but recalling the time he actually tried to talk the Lord out of his father's mission, had to be one of his biggest regrets. In our life, the devil will attempt to dissuade us from following Christ, even in the small areas, but we are to resist the devil. James
3: 4:7.: therefore to God, resist the devil
4: he will flee from you.
0: Ephesians 4:27.:
3: Neither give place to the devil.
0: No one enjoys being rebuked because we're naturally full of pride. We hate to admit it when we're wrong. Yet the Word of God teaches us how to respond and how not to respond when we are rebuked. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9.
4: Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give
2: Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning.
0: A teenager in the minor leagues became discouraged with his progress and wanted to quit baseball completely. He expected some sympathy from his father, but instead he got the jarring rebuke. Okay, if that's all the guts you've got, you might as well come home with me and right now and work in the mines. Mickey Mantle decided to stick it out. Went on to play 18 seasons with the New York Yankees during which they won seven world championships. And at the time of his retirement, stood third on the all-time home run home run list and got saved at the end of his life, too, by the way. Because Peter accepted the Lord's rebuke and maintained his love and loyalty for the Savior, he went on to be powerfully used of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and brought the gospel to the Gentiles. Think of Acts 10, as well as wrote the epistles of First and Second Peter. You know, he didn't just, well, quit and go home. You know, I know my natural reaction, nobody likes to get rebuked, especially in that strong of a manner, publicly, in front of your peers. But as as it talks about here, he obviously accepted it. Doesn't say how long, maybe he stewed about it or whatever, but he's still there. He was still there, and he stayed. Instead of naturally bristling in pride when we are rebuked, we must learn to accept and grow from it, as Peter did. In the verses immediately following Peter's rebuke, the Lord reiterated the necessity of complete self denial to follow him. It's interesting. Think about those verses in the context of that. It's interesting. Which brings us to our last point this evening is denial for starts with the D. Duty. Denial for duty. We have devotion to duty, distracted from duty, and denial for duty. It's easy to take the path of least resistance, giving in to the pressure and requests of the world. But often the believer must firmly say no. The Bible is filled with examples of standing firm against the pool of temptation. When Christ was tempted in the wilderness, he repeatedly said no to the temptations and offers of Satan. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not worship the king's golden image, and despite the threat of a fiery furnace. Daniel refused to cease praying to the Lord God, even when faced with the lion's den. And earlier, all four had denied following the king's prescribed diet, despite incredible pressure. They were determined to follow God's will. Standing against the world's pressure is not easy. Only through a close relationship with the Lord do we have the stability and power to remain steadfast. Psalm 16, 8.
2: I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved.
0: The following passages teach one of the greatest principles any Christian could learn. Devotion to duty requires denial of self. Christ was attempting to teach Peter and the other disciples that they must live always with a higher calling in mind. We are not left on this earth to indulge ourselves, but rather to serve the Lord. Galatians 2.20
1: I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.
0: 2 Corinthians 5,
1: 14-15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we are all dead. And He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves,
4: but unto him which died for them and rose again.
0: It is our Christian duty to deny self, the flesh with the affections and lusts, and to follow and obey the Lord wholeheartedly. Galatians 5.24.
3: And they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts.
0: So sub-point A is don't live for, there's the T, today. do for today. The world says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Solomon wrote this at one point before he had analyzed everything to come to the conclusion of the whole matter at the end. This is Ecclesiastes 8.15. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat, to drink, and to be merry. This was the conclusion of the foolish rich man and one of Christ's parables, he indulgently planned to build bigger barns for his abundance and then enjoy a leisurely future. Luke twelve sixteen to twenty one.
4: And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful.
2: And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruit? And he said, This will this will I do. I will put down my Barns and build breeders, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods.
1: And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, bye. eat, drink, and bye. be merry. not him, This night bye. my soul shall be
2: required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided?
4: So it's he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward hey,
0: in neither case was eat, drink, and be merry the way of God. We are not to live for today only. In the grand scheme of things, today is a short and insignificant period of time. When we live for the moment, what do we really have once it's over? James four fourteen.
3: Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away.
0: The psalmist also spoke of the brevity of life, and he concludes that it should motivate us to invest our lives in wisdom. Psalm 90, 10, and 12.
4: The days of our years uh, are three score years and ten. If and if by reason of strength that before forty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off in the cloud. So teach us to number our
2: days that so we may apply our hearts to list the
0: The disciples were now aware of the details of the coming days. and the verses immediately following Surely thoughts of their Savior's impending crucifixion, Peter's rebuke, and their own commitment to Christ were pressing in their minds as they listened to the Lord. Mark 8, 34-37.
2: And when he had called the people on the hill with his disciples also, he said unto them, whoever, shall, whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For
1: whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall I a
4: man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul?
0: Peter and the rest of the disciples were learning to live with the right priorities. In our lives, instead of living for today, let's live with eternity's values in view. That brings us to subpoint B, is do live for, the T, tomorrow. In the light of eternity, our lifespan is extremely brief. <coughs> As the great missionary explorer, David Livingston observed, only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Our emphasis should be to invest our lives in that which will last for eternity. John six twenty-seven.
3: Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath
4: God the Father sealed.
0: Matthew six, thirty one to thirty three.
4: Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed?
2: For after all these things do, do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that shall be added unto you.
0: We know that God inhabits eternity and is himself eternal. You see that in Isaiah 57 and then Deuteronomy 33. I mean, interesting Think about that statement. I think it, and, and Specifically, it's out of Isaiah 57, but the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, that he lives in eternity. Uh, can't even really like, process that, <laughs> what that even means, you know? Therefore, what is important in eternity is important to God and consequently should be important to us. We must live with eternity's values in view. We could say eternity consists of all the tomorrows that there will ever be. Make today count by spending it for tomorrow. Today, are you wisely investing the talents and resources the Lord has given you? In heaven, it won't matter how much fun you had, how much money you made, how fancy your house was. All that will matter is what you did for the Lord. Jesus teaches Peter here that to lose his life for Christ's sake and the gospel is really saving it. Peter was learning the value of a soul. Christ was willing to suffer a horrible death by crucifixion so souls could be saved. His desire was to submit to the will of him that sent him. Our priority, too, should be to obey and follow God's will. John six thirty eight.
1: For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me.
0: Should not his greatest desire also be ours? So in conclusion tonight, here we have another vital part of the education of a disciple. As the Lord described the details of his impending death, Peter's mind must have been reeling. Peter had just confessed Jesus was the Christ. And now he thought he was to accept that his Lord would experience such a gruesome death. Not if he could help it. And Peter, without thinking it through, began to correct the Lord. But when Jesus firmly rebuked him, Peter learned a lesson in priorities. While the Lord knew going to the cross would not be easy, his priority was to follow his father, not take the comfortable road Peter thought that he should take. As we see Peter learning what his priorities should be, we realize God has a plan for every believer. It is only when we follow it that we find the fulfillment God has planned for our life. For a Christian to seek contentment outside the will of God is folly. It will never be found elsewhere. For us to do his will, we must die to self and deliberately choose to make God's will the number one priority in our life. And that concludes concludes the lesson this evening. Any any thoughts anybody has? Anything that stood out to you maybe personally or thought was interesting? It's definitely not one of those uh, rah-rah... big amen type emotional ones. It's more of a kind of hurts sometimes type lesson.
3: It it didn't sit right for me, and it it really doesn't in the strictness of it, but you can't really live tomorrow. You can only really live today. But Mm -hmm. what he's referring to is live today in the light of tomorrow. So you always have somewhere where you're you're going that's more important than right, to direct your eye your actions toward yep.
0: it. Okay. Anything else? I know one thing for me that, that really stood out in here, I'm trying to find the exact page, is just that just that idea of distraction. Distraction from duty and that, that quote there from uh, From Oswald Chambers, know that the great enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but the good, which is not good enough. The good is always the enemy of the best. Because there's no lack of things that we could be doing, no lack of things to do. It's the idea of what's best, not just what's a good thing to do. Final thoughts? Anybody? Okay, let's go ahead and pray and we'll close. Lord, I thank you for the lesson tonight. And again, it's not one of those kind of hip hip hooray kind of lessons. It's definitely a challenging and um, should definitely hit all of us hard in the sense of just priorities. In our life, and like what you called us to do again, oftentimes it's not convenient. It's um, not always easy. Um, but in the life of a disciple, that's what you call us to do. And also, just thinking about the idea of just how Satan so much tries to distract us from your will um, for us. Um, it's that idea of that the good is the enemy of the best. And I pray that you just be with us and help us just again to stay close to you and your will, to be, be in tune to what you have, what you have for us, Lord. And I ask that you just be with us again as we go, go to our homes and bring us back together again on Wednesday. In
3: Jesus' name,
0: amen.